Welcome to another another episode of Planning Phase Syndicate. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight is episode nine on our epic journey through the universe. Tonight we have an episode called Never Tell Me the Odds. Tonight we're going to do a little bit different discussion. I wanted to have more of an open dialogue with the guys tonight because I think it is very important to discuss certain types of things as we keep going forward. So before we get too much farther down the road of trying to talk through some of um, what I would call the mechanics of the game, the intricacies, how things work together, I think it's a good discussion to have about points. And I really wanted to have a discussion about points values tonight, even though we don't technically know what goes into the points values AMG and FMG, FFG does. But what I think is really important is understanding how all of those work and how we can help kind of evaluate some of that between the two. Um, we're also going to highlight uh, certain types of things in our roll call, uh, such as Fang Fighters, Delta Aether Sprites, Trade Federation Drones, and X-Wings to kind of show some of the differences inside of what those points value are. And I'll give an example, Fang Fighters. Do you want four or do you want five? What happens and what's the big difference when having that one extra thing fighter that we're not legally allowed to have. Uh, we are also going to do a system malfunction. I've put together uh, three different uh, medium token type ships that I want to talk through and some interactions with them that I think are some unique ones that a lot of people don't know about. They don't trigger all the time, but sometimes they do. And then if we have time, Matt's going to be doing another construct the Death Star uh, jank tank multi-faction style. Without further ado, let's bring our co-host in. Come on in, guys. Hey! There's I, Matt uh... and there's Charles. So with me tonight is my co-host, Matt and Charles. How are you all doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Tonight is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm excited. It's a little cooler here in Michigan. Had a pretty good weekend. Uh, last week, we streamed, I think, five XTC games. We had one of our Patreons... Uh, actually join us for some commentary so hint 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 if we do do streams and you want to become a patreon at any level we might be able to pull you in and kind of have you help commentate and i learned how to play armada this weekend Ooh, that sounds nice. interesting yeah so it's pretty fun weekend overall how about you matt oh very very busy weekend actually we were uh out at a fr fair uh my wife and I are starting a business, so we were there all day and had just a lot of work this weekend. But had a good week. Uh, you know, we were pretty effective with our business, and we were able to build some new things. So it's been a great week. Uh, did miss Armada, unfortunately, though. So sad panda. And hopefully our next guest will have less technical difficulties. Thanks, Johnny. Charles, how about your weekend? How, how have you been? I think I had a good weekend. I went to Legoland uh, with a friend of mine who's visiting from Michigan uh, and his son uh, and my kid. We all went to Legoland. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I was tempted with both the UCS um, Star Destroyer and the UCS Falcon. Uh, if somebody out there wants to donate $1,500, I'll be happy to buy both of them. And then I will, I will do a separate stream uh, as part of our podcast of me putting them together in time lapse. Uh, that sounds absolutely terrible, but if some you're more than welcome to do so. Um, I did pick this up. I think it's really cool. Uh, it's a Lego bonsai tree that I thought was cool, but uh, like all in all, it was a good. 
yeah, all in all, it was good. We got our picture taken with Lego Ray and Lego Chewbacca, so there was some good times there. Um, other than that, pretty laid back. Got to play a couple games of X-Wing over the weekend, so everything's good. Well, that's awesome. Sounds like we we all had an adventurous weekend, and I just so I want to do two things real quick. I want to cap Armada, recap Armada, because again, as our show kind of focuses on more less competitive play, more casual things, Armada was actually really fun to play. And if you're looking for something that's a little different than X Wing, that's a little bit more strategy based, kind of like Stratego or something else, that actually is something that is hugely beneficial. And for example. The quality of what you have to do in terms of variability, like with dice rolling, is a lot lower <laughs> because you don't you only roll attack dice. You do not roll defense dice for anybody. So you don't have to worry about your green dice going blank, 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 blank. Kind of like we had um uh on that stream where we watched Darth Vader roll, was it four or five green dice and just roll all blanks this weekend? Way to just jab the knife in there. I think you got me right between the second and third ribs there, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I've tried Armada. It's not my style. Um, it's more 3D chess, where X-Wing is, is kind of straightforward. It's not a bad game. I, I enjoyed the game. Um, I learned from a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Phil, uh, taught me how to play Armada. And um, it's just the whole trying to plan your turns three turns in advance um, to, you know, to try and figure out where things are going. My brain just doesn't extrapolate the data that far in advance. Um, so while I did enjoy it and had a wonderful time playing it, uh, it is definitely not my, uh, not my game style of choice personally. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, as for the CC streams, wonderful. Yeah, Matt <laughs> likes chess. Matt and I play chess together on more than one occasion. And I'll tell you what, the one game I won't play with Matt is Monopoly, but I sure as hell will play chess with Matt all day, any day of the week. Usually we find X-Wing a little bit more fun, personally. Yeah. but A lot more complexity, in my opinion. Sorry. Chess, for all the chess players out there, obviously chess is very complex, but not on the level I play. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very yeah. good at it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any of us is the next Bobby Fischer, that's for sure. No. <laughs> all right. Um, as for the XCC games, you can check every one of those out on our YouTube page. You can also probably find them on Twitch. I think they still they're still up on Twitch. Um, so we've done five games this week. I did one every single day, and depending wow. on so I have a couple of I have a conflict on Wednesday nights, and I may have a conflict on Tuesdays. But I'm looking to pick more XCC streams up this week as well. Um, I got some confirmation from the guys on the, some schedules and. As they start rolling into the the dashboard, I will start picking up some games. So I'm hoping by the end of tonight, I'll be able to announce some games that we have. As of right now, there's only one open game for next week, and I think somebody already took it. So with that being said, if you have not checked out the XCC, I think it's really important. It's a really fun thing that we can do. Um, the one thing I don't want to do, spend a lot of time tonight on it is going through stats and things like that. That's not my forte per se. Um, and I would rather you just kind of watch the streams for what they are. And if you have any comments or you want to join us, let us know. All right. So, guys, let's get into our Academy 101.
So for Academy 101, tonight I want to talk about points. Points, points, and more points. And so you're going to ask me, what is a point? What is point costs, Chris? What, what, what are those? So the point costs, essentially, are what is printed, and I say that in parentheses because technically speaking, points costs are not printed on cards anymore. That's a 1.0 thing. Um, but points costs are essentially the value, the value of your upgrade, the value of a configuration, a modification, anything that you add onto the ship. And as we kind of discussed at the beginning of the episodes, you have a point value max that your ship's allowed to have. So for a standard game, um, it's 200 points, no matter what. Um, so again, there's some variables, right, if you play different games. But for we're going to stick right now just to the standard X-Wing game, both extended and hyperspace offer 200 point max ships. The other limitation you have, right, is you can't have more than eight ships because I sure as heck would have nine drones if I could, or even 10 drones if I was allowed to. But those are not, uh, those are not, you're not allowed to have more than eight ships. So even if a ship only had costed 10 points, it really wouldn't matter because you can't have more than eight. That's it. So the points value of everything is determined based on different factors, right? So the initiative of the ship is one of them. The maneuverability of the ship, excuse me, the um, piloting abilities on the ship, and the upgrade slots on the ship. Obviously, your chassis, how big it is, is a, is a value as well. Did I, guys, did I miss anything else that kind of affects what the points could be? Stat line. Yep, yep. okay, stat line. Lines, uh, pilot abilities. Okay. said that anything else um force the force yeah but that's that is a that's an upgrade card so that's the different things that you can attach to that shit yep um no i think you i think you covered it you have initiative pilot abilities maneuverability um and something that we'll talk about later as well but i think one of the things they look at when they build in points is what tilts the game. Um, earlier, you had mentioned as an example why four fangs and not five, or why are we allowed eight of this one ship, but we can only fit two or three of this other ship into a list, and what, what are those differences there? Uh, I'm sure there's some mathematical algorithm that determines when the ship falls you know, past, the, past its max efficiency and either into like broken levels of, of game des destruction or uh, falling off. And that it doesn't really matter if you have more than that in there because it doesn't benefit you or hurt you in any way. Yep. And it's kind of the same thing as like the health of your ship too, right? You know, like if you have a ship that's got nine hull and three shield upgrades, <clears throat> I'm looking at you, boss. And um, <laughs> you, you cannot, you can probably not be one shotted, Right you have to be worth more than a three health interceptor with no shields, right? But on the opposite side, your interceptor is a million times more maneuverable than Bosk is. Well, yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about three defense dice backed up by a small base and double reposition on an interceptor. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, they're not, I get what you're saying, like apples, oranges, like 14 health on a BT decimator, right? Uh, <laughs> But those things have zero defense dice. So it, 
I mean, yeah, everything is a hit. That's a hit. You know, I mean, you're not going to be able to evade unless it's like a weird situation. But still, um, you know, those those things definitely take a take a, a, a account. Yep. So what I think w- would be beneficial, right? And and, and so because when we're talking about points, and and I can bring Yasby up if we want, or, or any of those things. But I, I think to begin with, right? What is you, and we'll start with Matt and then we'll go to Charles, but what is your number one, you know, like, what do you think is the most beneficial thing to ensure points are not too much or too little, right? So we all know the Nantex is, if you were around during the Nantex apocalypse, and I we're not going to get into that, but we can touch on that in a minute. But so Matt, to you, what is the most important thing to ensure out of all those categories that we talked about, what is the most important thing you feel on a points level that needs to be managed more closely than the other parts? Oh, what, what, what's the most important aspect you mean of, yes. of the points? Yeah. So not like, like I was going to say, like lower monitor, you know, doing lower changes when they do the changes in the, in the points. Is that what you mean? Or do you mean like what part of the ship is more important? Yes. So what is the most, yes. What is the most important part of what we would cost out for the point? So again, yeah. So for me, a lot of times, depending on what you're looking for, I think the stat line to me is basically the hard and fast what is and what isn't going to cost you your points, right? So if you have uh, a three attack dice and three agility, you can't have nine hit points behind it, right? If you have nine hit points behind that, that ship is going to take a long time to kill. Uh, it's just, it's a very powerful ship. Look at uh, look at your defender, right? Your tie defender has a four, three, right? Isn't that right, Chris? Four, four shields, three um, yep. hull. But look at the cost of that ship correctly costed i think in most cases though i mean i would i would probably be willing to take a few less points on that one so you could actually put three on a team i would actually allow that i played against it it's not actually game breaking but you know to me stat line is probably one of the most if not the most important bit and what do you consider part of the stat line then like so what is your definition for the stat line when it in, in terms of referencing X-wing only? <laughs> Red dice, green dice, shield, hull. Thank you. Fine. All right, Charles, how about you? Um I think for me going away from ship points but it upgrade points uh and it kind of applies to ships as well and that is how a multiplier um affects and what I mean by that is, like, for instance, one of the cards that I'm glaring at and hoping that that point cost goes up um, is uh, Disciplined, uh, which is the Imperial upgrade that allows you when a ship dies to take a target lock or reposition your ship. Um, at one point, which is what it currently is, I believe it is a one-point upgrade, um, putting that on six ships is not a big deal. But if you increase it, to a two-point upgrade, while that one point doesn't seem like such a huge jump, when you're applying it to, say, a striker swarm or you're applying it to a, uh, a an interceptor swarm, um, it can really affect the way, how many of them you're willing to use, where you're putting it strategically, um, and, you know, that sort of thing. And it's the same with ships. Um, 
when you have like um, like to to piggyback on what Matt said, when you have a small base ship uh, that has three green dice but only has three health, like an interceptor, or you have a large base ship that has three green dice, like a like a um, the aggressor uh, assault fighter that scum gets. You know, the stat line is three red, three green, five hull, three shield. I mean, that's a beefy ship to still have three green dice. Um, but when you look at how they're how they're costed out point wise, the aggressor sits at you know sixty points each. So if you're going to try and fit three of them on a list, you don't have a lot of room for upgrades. So you better hope that you're picking the pilot abilities that best uh, complement you. Or in 1.0, and I've seen it a little bit in 2.0, but it's not a huge thing right now. Um, the robots, you know, having two of the aggressors. Uh, they play better in pairs than they do in tries just because you have a little bit more functionality with upgrades. Um, so for me, of that actually, Charles, there has there have been some some robots sure. played out there. Oh, absolutely. But it's not as prevalent now as it was in in 1.0. There's far more options now. Um, but for me, I think one of the largest things that we should look at when we're calculating points cost is in multiples. Is it game breaking? Uh, and if it is game breaking or play experience breaking, is it is it so bad that we need to increase the points? Like say with Nantexes, you were mentioning, we used to be able to fit six, you know, Nantex into a list and just run them down somebody's throat. You didn't care if you bumped, you didn't care what you did because of the uh, action economy that they got. Um, and they saw that and a simple increase of one or two points made it to where you could no longer fit six of them comfortably on a list. You could only do five or four if you wanted an upgrade line. So I think the the multipli the multiplication of any upgrade on a list or any ship on a list style-wise, uh, for me, is probably one of the most important things to look at. You're talking about essentially spamability. Yeah, there you go. Say, spamability. How much can I spam it, and how does it affect everything? Absolutely. And you're right, like the discipline, everybody that is not stressed can take a target lock or do a barrel roll, right? Can you imagine in CIS what that would do? I mean, that would just, that would break CIS because think about my droids. All of a sudden I can now barrel roll because by the way, a droid can barrel roll from a rock to another rock. And as long as their wings are open or they're not wings, but whatever they call them, their struts are open, they don't take damage and they can still shoot. I think so, to piggyback on that, that's that's another important factor to look at, especially with upgrades, is do they give a ship the ability to do something that it innately does not? Uh, for instance, looking at TIE Interceptors, the one thing that they cannot do on their action bar is target locking. You put Disciplined on, and now you have a you have Interceptors that have the ability to take a target lock action, which innately is not something they can do. Yeah. Um, or looking at, uh, like, Protectorate Gleb. That's, that is a huge one right now, because yep. he can go on any ship that has a crew slot, and ships that previously did not have the ability to have a coordinate action now have the ability to have a coordinate action um, and the ability to pass off the stress from doing the right. coordinate action. Um, like so there's Torkoal Mux. Right? Torkoal Mux. Or any yeah, of the Hawks. Go on Torkoal um, Mux, you're right. Yeah, make Torkoal Mux even better, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do because he's so good already. But um, Exactly. Like, the king of the game. 
the ace of legends. Always just nobody ever talks rest. about him. But yeah. So, so yeah, so so for you, it's spam ability, right? In my world, I think one of the biggest things is not spam ability as much. Though I do agree with you, I think that's a huge that's a huge one. You know, and, and again, you can look at vultures. If vultures can put struts on for one point, or you don't have to, so it, it's it's a little bit different. And I like the, I like some of like when they put the independent calculates out there, and they said either every trade federation drone has to take this specific card, or nobody can take it. Or if you only run one, then it doesn't matter. And so, like, for me, the independent calculate would be broken if you could run it just one card on one or two of your drones, right? So I could keep all the network calculates for anything that runs discords and energy shells and then run two of them with independent calculates along the sides as, as like, a pincer move, right? So you either go after my pincers or you go in the middle, and one of the two is going to – you're going to get screwed one of the two ways. So – I, for me, the bigger thing is the interactions, the multiple interactions and how they affect each of the different cards. So again, the, for me, the independent calculates would be one that I would say, hey, you would never want to be able to have it only on one or two ships. You should have to take it on every ship. Should it be four points? Probably not, in my opinion, because it's not very impactful. But again, that's a, that's a little bit farther down the discussion line. For me, though, the big impactful thing is how does it trigger other cards? And if you can trigger a bunch of other cards and trigger all these other things that benefit those ships or that list, the multiple interactions, to me, that's the bigger thing where you have to adjust and ensure your points cost. And, and, and that goes back to Nantexes, right? Let's go all the way back to a Nantex. And the Nantex, and maybe, I don't know, should we bring the Nantex up? Charles, do you want to bring it up on the... Uh, I got you. On the thing, and I'm going to flip screens why don't we do that crazy nantex blah blah, blah. all right so i did see cool. somebody ran a five pack of them they, they did they did we don't want to talk about that though <laughs> let's not encourage anybody to run these damn things all right so what happens with the nantex and this is what i'm talking about because of the the, uh, the abilities that trigger multiply and have a huge enhancement so what happens is after you acquire or after you move, you you may acquire one tractor token to perform a rotate action. Now, the negative downfall, right, is you take a tractor token, you're losing one of your green dice. They give them three, you now only get two. You have no shields, it is 100% all halt. But because it does not say after you fully execute a maneuver and it's just execute a maneuver, I can run into you and barrel roll to still get a shot because I have to rotate my mobile arc. Now, on a positive side, you cannot rotate it to the butt of that ship. It has to be left, middle, or right. But here's where this card became ultra-powerful when the cost of this pilot was lower. And again, by itself, one Nantex by itself that can do that is really not that impactful to the meta. But when you can all of a sudden fit six of them and every one of them can bump into you and barrel whirl away from you and still shoot you, you now create a long-term effect that allows for ships that normally would not get to shoot that now can every one of them can run into you and shoot you. Now, they're not going to get mods, right? Well, actually, that was the problem, Chris. That was the problem that they ran into is... is with that, they were able to carry marksmanship and 
uh, was it Predator? Oh, well, either way, they got. I think it was Predator, right? Predator, and they got um, Crackdown. Yeah, because they have they have right? two slots. Yeah. So Predator but, is a is a is a soft reroll mod, and then Crackshot is a also soft is also a, a multiplier too. So, but, but if you run, but if you run into a ship, you're not getting a modifier, and if you run into a ship and barrel roll and you're not in bullseye and we could bring this up in tts if you want but no matter where you hit you have to land in a very precise spot to be able to bear or to be able to move to rotate the art to be able to shoot with that that bullseye shot the bigger impact is i could run into that ship and barrel roll forward left barrel roll forward right run into it again barrel roll left back and right back and then all four of those would have shots on one ship and they would all be able to have their arcs pointed. They'd all be at range one. Whereas normally when I start running into things, I'm now not getting such the action economy. The other thing though, that, that were, was really working in its benefit was when you bumped into somebody because you would normally fly them as a swarm, you barrel roll that ship out of the way, giving it its range one shot. And then the guy that was behind him that would have bumped into him comes in to take the spot where he was not bumping your opponent ship and being able to get mods. So yeah. when you ran six, seven, eight of them in a grouping, you'd have three or four that didn't have mods, but you'd have four or five of them that did have mods. And they're all range one shots. Uh, and three dice at range one, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts, man. Yes. And so if we want to bring it all back to where my, I feel the biggest points impact is is all of the multiple triggerings and how they all happen because for me that's the bigger impact in in the world of you know how things interact um because i think especially if you look at a, the legacy sets right and that's what i call our scum rebels and empire because they have so many more ships and extended than some of the other factions do and they have a higher probability of having broken combo combos and i want to give a quick example here right in star wars destiny which is a defunct card game now which i love and you should all go play um at some point and if you want to play against me i'll be happy to play against you we'll stream it anyway um the idea though behind star wars destiny is you had so many you got 100 to 200 cards per set a set was released twice a year at minimum they were supposed to be three times a year but what they did is they created rotation so that that way, whatever was being able to play for the staple was only six sets to four sets. And that's it. Because some of the older cards, as they learn how to create new mechanics, would start breaking some of these older cards. And it would be like, in, like for example, there was a card that cost three. And back in the day, you to pay the three took like three dice to get three resources. And it was a pain in the butt to play this card. But once you created an uh, economy that generated, let's say, Jabba, for example, Jabba could get six resources in a round if he was lucky, right? Um, there was another guy. Uh, what's the guy that Anakin has to get sold from, that they buy him from? Wado. I can't remember Wado. that. Watto. Yes. Watto had an action where you could do once a round, roll his dice, and if his dice both showed the same symbol, you got two resources each. Plus, he had 50% die that had 
resource symbols. So you had two fifty percent chance. So you were at like forty three and a half percent chance you were going to get these two extra resources. Plus, then you resolve the dies. So then all of a sudden, this card that says, and this is what this card says: spot. Um, you're in the action round after this turn. So you, if if you could play that, if you could roll your guys out, attack, resolve as many dice as you can. Your opponent then is trying to play cards or roll out. You play this card and you end the round and say, hey, I just ended your round. Sorry, sucks to be you. Let's reset and go to the next round. That, was, that card would have been broken as hell if they had allowed that to come to the higher resource meta. They just would. So those long-term comments are where, in my opinion, X-Wing has to be better or ha maybe not be better, but actually has to maintain that point level because otherwise we are going to get some weird, broken, you know, crap that so, will have to be eroded. So throwing it back, I'll, I'll take it back to 1.0 to, to kind of trigger on this, but staying within the X-Wing vein, uh, in 1.0, there was a card called Accuracy Corrector. Uh, what Accuracy Corrector did was when you rolled your dice, you could, after, you know, resolve and ever, after you rolled red dice, you could cancel all of your die results and then add two hits. So no matter what you rolled, no matter what you rolled, you could cancel your dice and add two hits. And then when you put auto blasters with that, auto blasters allowed you to cancel crits before hits. So if you could throw crits or something of that nature, or for instance with TLT, if you had TLT, you rolled three red dice, and then you would cancel all dice results and deal one damage. So if you had TLT with Accuracy Corrector, you were throwing two hits on every single attack, forcing your opponent to always, you know, have to roll two or better. So if you were flying the Decimator or you were flying, you know, something of that nature that had minimal green dice, those abilities would trigger. Or even in the current staple meta that we're seeing now, Auto Blasters, again, is appearing with any cards that allow you to convert hits to crits like marksmanship or greedo or any anything that allows you to to force a hit into a crit uh and then being able to push that crit through uh another card that comes to mind in that case is like darth vader crew uh being able to force damage through without dice rolls uh being able to just say oh you have an ace that has 16 green dice at range three through a rock that's great Vader's still going to go ahead and push damage through and you're going to take it whether you like it or not because that's just how this works. You know what I mean? Like, there there are card combos like that that allow you to force it through. Luckily, with a lot of those card combos are involving a unique card like that Vader crew. So you're not, there is no spammability. You're only having, you know, the one that you have to deal with and if you can drop the ship that has that, um, then you're okay. Um, you know what I mean? But that being said... Vader in 1.0 was much stronger than Vader in 2.0 because Vader in 1.0 didn't have to rely on the force to make it happen. It just happened, whether you liked it or not. Having Vader on the Decimator was almost, they, like those cards were almost stapled together because it just went with it. Yeah. And I think, what does this all bring us back to, right? We, we, we all come back to the discussion of why do points matter? And points matter because we don't want a broken game or a negative play experience, for example, right? Um, Nantex, when we played them, 
when they were really cheap and you could run six of them, created a very big negative play experience because there was almost nothing that took them off the table. Now, I want to caveat some of these things a little bit because I I agree and disagree on the negative play experience with Nantex. Um, I think they create that, but at the exact same time, people were only doing them for tournaments. You didn't, you, how many people went to a local and ran six Nantex? You know, like I didn't, I only own three. I think, I think oh, I own three times too. Nobody was running yeah. them in person at all. So, and that's, that's, that's true too. And so you, you have to look at, at all of those things, but ultimately points are designed to create or to keep away negative play experience because of the fact that again if i ran 10 drones at three health each i've got 30 points you've got 10 ships to take off the board and if you you would have to if you ran three ships that's going to take you three turns of me not getting any evades and you hitting me with three hits the probability of that is here. <laughs> it's here. Very small. And Matt can attest to that because I run droids quite a bit. And if I could run 10 of them and then I can outmaneuver, I'm getting 10 shots. So even if you write three off the board, there's still seven there that are going to hit you if they have shots, right? If you outmaneuver them, maybe a little different, which they can right. be, but you can set up, I could set up bubbles it's kind of the same way as like the Wookiee ship. You can set bubbles up and you can create that. Bosk has a 180 arc. You can run Bosk left, middle, center. Yeah, you're going to hit asteroids, but you can run them like that and you can cover almost the whole board pretty much. Well, and that's one thing sure we, we didn't have to... talk about when we talked about things that affect points is the number of the firing arcs. Oh, yep, there you go. And that's another one. You know, the number of firing arcs affects your point costs. So again, when we, our goal is to not deal with negative play experiences and, and for us, especially our podcast, that's a big thing. You know, Charles has been playing for a long time, even through the negative play experience, which I heard was 1.0. Um, he's still here. And so is a lot of people, Matt and I had, we, we don't have that experience. We we're 2.0 babies, you know, like we've been around a year and a half. That's it. But in our world, flashbacks. Yeah. In, in our worlds, the negative play experience is pretty like it's right there because we are newer players learning some of the weird, more advanced techniques that people use. And I could tell you the first time you run against something that you don't understand how it runs, you immediately feel that it's broken. Now, the more you play against it and the more you're able to defeat it to some extent with different lists, the less broken it feels. And, and I will admit, I harp on Torkoal Mucks all the time. Torkoal Mux is only borderline a negative play experience. He is in truth does not have enough other people around him to make the whole time a negative play experience. There is like what are you going to do against my I1s? Yep, hey Torkoal Mux, come here. I got I got all I1s. What are you going to put them at zero? Oh no, one one of my I1s can't shoot. Are you going to take that one on the board first? I'm still going to shoot you with my Discord missile. I don't care. <laughs> you know? right. So as much as I harp on Torkoal Mugs as it's more of my, and maybe that should be a command we put. I'm going to build that command and there's going to be some reward. So anybody listening to this, if you listen to this live, exclamation point, 
Torkel Mux, and, and it's not set up yet. I'm going to create that bot command, and we're going to do something for it. I don't know what it's going to be. Something that'll drive me nuts, I'm sure. Uh, yes, I'm in every for this. Every time you mention it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a drinking game. Like, like, the, like the, uh, the magic word from old Pee-wee's Playhouse. We all have it. Mm -hmm. It's a Torkel Mux. Yep. If somebody's <laughs> got to put it in the chat, though. And not, it cannot be either of you. I am going to actually ban your two users from being able to use this command so that that way we can't have a stream where you're like, Chris won't shut up, so I'm going to put pound corkle mux, and it's going to be like, oh, no, Tanner went off on a rant. Yeah, I've you know, never been able like to that. make a second Twitch account. I've never been able to do that. Well, I think that a lot of things, a lot of one of the major things that's happened since COVID as well, um, that really drives a lot of the meta decisions that we have right now um, is the fact that you don't have to physically own a ship in order to play it. I can jump in and play an Imperialist. I can go run eight TIE FOs if I want to. <laughs> eight TIE FOs. It's fun. Anyway, no, it's not. Yeah, it's horrible. Nice. Um, like but, but I can run them even though I don't physically own them. When I go to my Wednesday night leagues here in Orlando... I can't run them because I don't physically own them. Um, so it's just one of those things where, like, for me, I'm only able to physically at the table run what I own. There are no proxies. There's no virtual, like, ship generator or card generator. So if I don't own six copies of thermal detonators with 12 sets of tokens to be able to drop them on the board, I can't run that. You know what I mean? So it's it's a situation where we run into form over function, uh, you know, in 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 table versus the the virtual environment. Because of the virtual environment, I can create what I need out of thin air. Right. Well, and this also does. I I'm going to quickly put this in here too because he's not necessarily advocating to you going out and purchasing eight tie FOs. That is not necessarily what he's saying. He said he has league it's on fun. Wednesday night. Well, guess what? It's a league night. Ask some of your league mates, hey, do you guys have any FOs? Can I borrow some FOs? If you'd like to try something on the board and you play at a thing, do ask and see if maybe some of your friends or get it on a text chain. Uh, just ask and see if you can borrow some of those ships. Not necessarily is it go out and buy eight of this or six of them. I don't, I don't advocate for eight fo's on any level don't ask your friends this is not something that you need to get into all right uh, we know if, what triggers charles if, uh, if, FOs are if, a decent ship if if you if you play focho um we need to have an intervention Just all right saying. so play tie, the next tie nickel city later later i'm going to i'm going to message Catherine and request that she allow only i1 generic ships to be played and you're getting a focho no fine. upgrades i'm going to re request good. that she You'll get, you'll get, you'll get eight uh, M3As, which is fine. I'm okay with that, as long as you can't have auto blasters or any of your other broken shit. I just, just run them naked, naked ships. I wonder if I could fit something on the eight M3As. M3As, I don't know. They're solid. They're definitely a solid ship. But anyway, we're digressing. We, we just <laughs> yeah, we're, we, found, we're, we found Charles Trigger. We're spiraling down. Yeah. All right, so let's go back. So. One of the things, and this is a new 2.0 thing that has shown up, right? And I think this is an important thing to talk about because you get modifiers, right? And this is a huge points thing that has to be micromanaged as well. But you get modifiers. So you have two different things that give you um, more than one modifier because you only get one action normally. One is 
dual action or linked action is what they technically call it ships. And the other one is force because force is extremely important. And I will, again, I, I'm going to pick on separatists because that's, that's my bread and butter. When I first started flying separatists, I never once flew count Dooku as a crew card. Very often. I tried it on Darth Maul, hated it. Couldn't get it to trigger very often. And all it came down to was the fact that I didn't understand how to actually run Count Dooku. So in terms of meta, people did not play Count Dooku almost at all as a crew slot because Separatists didn't have very many ships. Then they released HMPs and the uh, Slave One ship. Uh, what do they call that? I don't know Fire what they spray. call it. Fire spray. The, 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 uh, the primary indentured servant, sir. We're no longer referring to it as Slave One. Oh, right. stop it. Anyway, we're going to, not political, remember? We're not going to get not into political. the politics. We're moving past that. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, but, you know, until you got crew carriers, you didn't see it. Because, I mean, who did you run? <laughs> what did you run? You ran a Sith Infiltrator? Well, you could burn that down. It is, Sith Infiltrator is not Bosk in any way, shape, or form. Oh, and I think it costs more, actually. Oh, so, ooh, maybe we'll see a Sith Infiltrator cost deduction because or maybe we'll see boss go up i don't know anyway um force is a huge huge thing and i think we should touch a little bit on the force modifier yeah well for me the i mean i don't if you'd like me to touch on it i guess i force the force multiplication right. factor Please of force haha is that uh force is always there right so you can grab a lock of uh, you can barrel roll it doesn't matter what action you take you still have the ability to mod your dice ask anybody who's sitting and bumped in a ship how nice it is to have a focus of token right you can go in and bump that ship as much as you want if you have three force available you pretty much have a focus token you are not losing anything by being blocked or what it may happen to be where that ship is is affected not to mention the fact that usually those force tokens give you another thing you can do uh you talked about the sith infiltrator what's darth maul's ability on the sith infiltrator but he can use the force not just to modify his shots but he can also use it to double tap right there is inherent value not just in the force but also the factor that the force adds to the ship itself so for me, force is just, I, I, I'm sure they have some sort of point calculation on it, but that is a huge, huge addition. Yep. Charles, what are your thoughts on the force? You wish you had more of it in scum? I, so yes, I do, honestly, but not because we need it. Just because I'm jealous and I want more toys. <laughs> um, oh my God. All right. If I'm being honest, I, I want I want more broken scum combos that we could use. I mean, we all saw what force can do when you put it on a fire spray. We still see what force can do when you put it on a fire spray. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's it's a calculate, right? It allows you to change one die. Um, you can use it on abilities. It's a renewable resource, so it's not, uh, you know, not a permanent thing. If you can drain it off of people, it's not it's not a god thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make somebody ungodly powerful. It's another resource that you have to manage. 
Um, I do wish Scum had a couple more options um, because right now the only option we have is Asajj. Uh, we just got uh, it's Kanan Jarrus in the Hawk. Um, so that is our second force using pilot, period. Um, we've had a couple of crew like Maul. Luckily, we were able to get Maul on the uh, on the scum side of things. Um, but on the by and large, there's not a whole lot of force. And I think it's okay that it's not in scum. We have enough BS with our pilots and our illicit upgrades and all of the, the jank stuff that we get, scum jank. Um, I don't think we need force. It'd be nice, but... Just, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know, uh, uh, like maybe Ara Singh or something like that. But I don't know. For Force, I, I think that having it limited to certain factions is okay. Um, as long as those factions don't get, like, hopefully we never see Republic with access to illicit upgrades. Because then you have Force and illicit upgrades, and then that becomes pretty crazy. I don't know. I think that properly costed, there's no reason why Scum couldn't have more Force users, really. And I also think that properly costed and properly managed ships, like none of the ships that are out currently, but I wasn't saying that one of those Republic ships couldn't have an illicit slot. I think it's fine as long as you do manage that through points, which is, of course, what we're talking about. So, Yep. And in my world, uh, you're right, Charles. A Force token is a calculate. Where it becomes more aggressive is when you can do something different with it. For example, Count Dooku. And here, why don't you bring the Count Dooku up, and I'll we'll read it for everybody because do I have Count, to? Yep. Yes, God, because Count Dooku is my favorite crew upgrade. <laughs> of course he is. But yeah, as you were talking about it, Charles. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to say it's like this unimposable or un unpregnable fortress that is the Force. It's just. It definitely does add something every time is all I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I'm not saying it doesn't. We've all seen three force Obi-Wan in the Ada, the Ada to Actus, like look immortal as okay. he can shake off damage. But the minute you back him into a corner or you get him into a position where he has to use all of that force and he's only regaining one per round. Um, all of a sudden that, that dwindles because regaining one per round that you have to use to reposition doesn't, it's not super overpowered. Right. Um, when you have a ship like, say, Luke, who does get a force every time he's targeted, right. like it can get a little borderline, but you can still kill Luke as long as you're able to, you know, push through the damage even when he has the force availability. It still, it still relies on dice variants to be useful. Except for and, Count Dooku, who doesn't care Count about Dooku. dice, who doesn't care about dice variants at all. That's right. Well, which is very typical for Count Dooku. If you if you go through the shows, I mean, Count Dooku has defeated so many people. I mean, he bested Asajj. I don't know how many times he bested. Um, uh, who was it? Voss was it? Quinlan Voss turned him, bested him, used him. You know, Count Dooku lived all the way until Palpatine said, screw you, I don't want you to live anymore. But Count Dooku says, before a ship at range 0 to 2 rolls attack or defense dice, if any of your force are, are, if all of your force are active, you may spend one force and name a result. If that ship does not roll it, you immediately change that die to the result. So, for example, you have a ship flying over a rock. No shields, flies over, hits the rock, lands on it. You're like, oh, shit, ran on it. Normally, you just roll the dice on a hit, 
or crit, you take the damage. On a blank or eyeball, you get nothing. Dooku says, before you roll that, I'm going to call crit because I don't care. I'm, I'm that much of a dick. I'm just going to literally say crit. So you roll the dice. If you hit the crit, you're still taking a crit. If you don't hit the crit, you're definitely taking a crit. So it doesn't matter what you fucking roll. So like in those situations, I don't even roll the dice. It's just like, all right, you want me to take a crit? I'm just going to take a crit. And, and you know, people are like, well, you should really roll it. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. I'm not going to roll something because you already told me what it is. Yeah. Like, we're going to move on and let's keep moving through the game because I know that crit's going to suck, whatever it is. And yeah. normally in my world, it's a direct hit. Every freaking time I get a direct hit. But that's just me I think that I think that where the real power for Dooku, though, lies is in 1.0, there was a card that did almost the exact same thing, uh, which was the Palpatine crew that we had. You could call when you rolled dice and say evade. And if you didn't roll evade, you got evade. But it was only when you rolled dice. Where Dooku really kind of bends is... I can control it when I roll dice, but I also can control it when you roll dice. And there's no limitation to it. It can be bombs. It can be rocks. Uh, one of the great uses I've seen for this is someone will they'll roll three dice, and two of them will come up good, and they'll have a target lock. And so before they re-roll for that target lock, they'll spend Dooku and say crit. So they that... can't do that, though. They actually Wait, cannot what? do that. You cannot do it on any, any sort of re-roll. It is only on the initial roll. They clarified oh, really? that. Yep, they clarified that in FFG. Oh, yeah, cool! I didn't. I didn't know that. that. Case, yeah. Okay. Well, yes. then that makes it not so bad. But I've seen people up until that ruling where they would do that. You know, they would just roll the one die and then spend Dooku. So to guarantee a crit on your reroll is ridiculous. Um, but still, if you run over a bomb like a thermal and guarantee that someone's taking a crit late game, that could be the difference between you know, getting a weapons failure or a structural damage and not. Um, so Dooku is key on some lists. And where Dooku really got fun for me um, was pairing him with auto blasters um, because you can Dooku a crit and with marksmanship, mm -hmm. you can change a hit to a crit and push yeah. two crits through that can't be evaded. And when you're shooting at a ship like, say, Soontir Fell or Fen Rao or Luke or Vader or any high-tier ace ship that has high agility, being able to put two crits into that ship and say, I don't care what you roll. Your green dice mean nothing because these crits are going to hit you. It may it takes away the aciness of a, of a three evade dice ship when all of a sudden it can't do anything to dodge. Which is not something we have actually talked about here, though, too. And this is something that we really maybe want to touch on is force multiplication of these cards, right? You're talking about several things here that we you, you've done it a couple times with the marksmanship and the auto blasters. Now it's, you know, Dooku and, and auto blast. Either way, there are card combinations that are force multipliers, right? So you have like R2D2 as a crew card where you can repair on Han Solo, where if you roll a hit, you have to expose the damage card. Okay, you get two rolls. You basically get a re-roll every time because it's Han Solo. So it force multiplies. It's a great card to begin with, but when you don't, when you can kind of some negate some of the negatives by having that that Han Solo with it, it really does start to make these these interactions really some of those like stronger things. These force multiplication things that come from these card interactions. Yes. Nope. And I agree with you. I, I'm sorry. I, I, 
I, I agree. I, I muted myself on accident. <laughs> I agree with you that it's the force multiplier, but I think that kind of goes to anything, right? And, and the last thing that we could touch on on points before we actually get into um, some examples. So I, what I want to do is list, the last thing to touch on really is your um, <clears throat> your soft modifiers with your maneuverability, which essentially is your double repositions is essentially what it is, your linked actions. Um, Charles, if you want to bring up um, a tie SF for me, that would be amazing. Get rid of Dooku. Nobody wants to see him but me. Um, He's, pretty love seeing He's a good card. He's a good card. And I think we'll see him go up in points, personally. I do honestly think that he's going to go up in points. And maybe it is fair, no, right? He seems goes, like he's pretty well-priced right now, honestly. Well, Palpatine's 14. And Palpatine, all he does with his force... Can you bring up Emperor Palpatine? As separate as well, Palpatine's sure. amazing, though. I like Palpatine. All he can do is modify, him. modify your other dice on other ships. So it's the same thing as Dooku, but he's 14 points, right? So when another friendly ship defends or performs an attack, you may spend one force to modify one oh, of his dice as if it was your okay. own force You're spent. talking about Emperor Pal... Okay, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Darth Sidious, sorry. Darth Sidious no. and, and uh, Senator Palpatine or whatever. Not only that, that but is... Emperor Palpatine takes two crew slots. Two crew slots, yeah. yeah. So he's but a that is a very slot. powerful... That's a very powerful force use, though, right? So, it gives everybody that ability. Okay. You're right. So there's no range difference. But for four points less, you just get a range difference. And a huge difference, as Charles pointed out, is this card only affects you. It does not affect an opponent at all. So we have a Dooku card. And I don't know why I'm arguing against Dooku because I really like that card. But in fairness, Dooku, I think, is an underpointed is for what he does, he's underpointed. I, get rid of the SF a minute and, and bring up. Can you bring up? Um, can you bring up uh, Maul? Maul crew. I want to let's bring I up Maul crew because Maul crew's pretty big, pretty big, and that was what everybody ran on Boba Fett and Scum yeah. for a long time. Well, this because it said, gave you a, a secondary mod that allowed you to fly Boba stupid because you yeah. always had a way, and every time you took damage, it replenished, so you could just go nuts with Boba. Yeah. But yeah, but Maul's yeah, Maul's different. But Maul's not that expensive either, though. Maul's ten points. He's yeah, 10 I disagree. Points. That's not. I mean, Dooku, Dooku's ten, I think, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. but the thing is, is with with Palp though, and this is the thing, Palp can spend force to modify one dice as though that ship had spent force. That means you still have to roll a focus in order for right. Palp to be able to, in order for Palp to be able to change it. Dooku allows that if you roll a blank and you call hit. That blank becomes a hit. It's not spending a force in the way that the force was meant to be spent. It's spending a force to basically do what Qui-Gon Jinn does at the beginning of episode one and mod a dice roll to whatever it is that you need it to be rather than only modding the focus. Or like um, Fen Rao at range one gets to change a blank to a hit. The same thing. But Fen Rao is how many bloody points, right? 81? Uh, like no, something like that. Talking about is he Fen really eighty one? No, he's not. No, no, he's in the sixties. When you're talking about with fearless, sixty eight, sixty eight, yeah, sixty eight. Okay. Sorry, still, that's still a pretty deep point for for a single a small base ship. But um, <clears throat> that being said, like another you know another thing that's big in the meta right now uh, that kind of combines 
you know, what we're talking about with uh, adding abilities that you normally don't get to take or, you know, adding extra things that I think is undercosted uh, is uh, this gentleman or this lady, as it were. Yeah, this uh, lady, come on. Zam Wessel. Uh, being able to take a passive, um, uh, a passive target lock, uh, in addition to charging for a double tap. So not only do you get the target lock as a as a mod, you also get potential for a double tap. And when you look at any any other crew that gives you a double tap, you look at Bistan. You look at um, uh, who else gives you a double tap? I know Bistan Veteran does. Veteran tail gunner Han. Han. You look at any of those cards. None of them are four points. None of them. Not a single one of them are four points. And not a single one of them give you the ability to have a target lock action as a passive mod. Like, I, yeah. I, I was talking about this with another player friend of mine. You guys know John. I almost think that the target lock ability, the regaining a charge to get a target lock, is more powerful than the double tap. Well, it allows for a double... It can allow for double modded shots really for only being shot at. It... It, it's it's very powerful in and of itself. Like On that, it is. just that ability is worth four points to me. Just grabbing a lock if you get shot at is worth four points every day of the week. And then you talk about card combos. If you pair that with false transponder codes, not only do I acquire the target lock, but I jam off whatever green token you're using. So if you decide to keep your focus through, like you roll three natural hits and you keep your focus... I take a target lock and then I jam that focus off of you for the return shot. Like those kind of things right there are where point costs go in. And that's why I think that in the next points update that, that Zam will probably see, I would maybe one or two points added um, a six point Zam, I think is still worth it, but then you've got to really factor in, you know, what are you building with that? Cause you've got to lose two so, points somewhere else. So what if I said we should, we should modify points. <clears throat> and this creates a complexity level that I'm sure AMG is never going to want to do. I'll be honest. They'll never do this. But in my world, I would say, again, false transponder codes are only available in, what, a couple of factions, really? Yeah, anyone that has an illicit. I think it's the fire spray and scum. Okay. So in fairness, well, then. get it in some of the other ones, too. But in fairness, Excellent. Zam can only be ran in scum and separatists. So in, in fairness to that. There's no real reason to do this, but I think sometimes you have to look at what is your points cost based on a faction, right? Because if Zam was available in Empire, it would be a heck of a lot different than if it was available in Scum because Empire doesn't have access to false transponder codes. But guess who does? Separatists and Scum. Both of them do. And I can tell you right now, when I run Zam in Separatists, I 100% always run false transponder codes now i will tell you i'll be honest with you the false transponder codes are a little bit less of a worry if you understand how to break them um cutthroat on the other hand which is another stupid scum scarred that allows you to regenerate your tokens when things die that on the other hand is a little bit more of an issue when it comes to being able to use zam with false transponder codes because all of a sudden you're getting your false transponder codes back in Separatist, you have no way to get it back. So if I'm running a Django Zam list and all of a sudden I see, guess who's coming in here? I got somebody coming in. Oh, guess what? They're going to come in. 
and they're they're gonna just take a target lock at range three every single time, and they're gonna jam off my tra false transponder codes. They're gonna do it every time. I I I just the tournament I just played in, they burned my false transponder codes as fast as they could. Yep. And now I will just, say there is CIS has a card that nobody else has access to that has its own level of uh the word I want to say. Well, you know what? You cursed already, so I'm gonna let that happen. Its own level of bullshittery. Um, and that's treacherous. What's that? It's not even my ship. Your ship is obstructing your shot, so I'm going to give your ship a strain to cancel a crit. Right. Right. Isn't that some crazy and stuff? And then right when there. your ship blows up, I'm going to do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. If we go back to how often things trigger versus a point cost, I can tell you right now, treacherous triggers almost never. And I'll be honest, cutthroat really has not been a big staple either. Cutthroat does not trigger very often compared no, to what, what it could have. When when we first read the card, you and I were super excited for cutthroat. We thought that was going to be like game-breaking. How can we use this on tell? You know, all these other things. And I know everybody's like, can you bring tell up? I guess you got to bring tell up now. I mentioned Pell. But, <laughs> the, re the real uh, class ability that's really bad is the discipline. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, and discipline compared to like hopeful or any of the other ones that we've got, disciplined is so much better. And yeah. heroic too. There's the other one that's kind of a little bit borderline. They've already started changing the points cost on heroic. I, I and even then that doesn't happen all that often. But disciplined to me, I'm expecting to see at least a one point, if not a two point, you know, increase there. Discipline is a little bit different. But tell Terravera allows you to essentially spend one of your um, energy, which you only have one, to regenerate your life. You basically come back with health, so you don't die after somebody kills you. So after they spend nine hit points, you get to come back. Now, you don't come back full health, thank God. One hit point. Um, but with Cutthroat, once you die, because it's zero to three, you regenerate that. So anybody that kills you will never kill you with that, that card on you, period. It does not matter. Um... You know, like, because because if somebody kills any of the other ships, you get to regenerate it. If they kill you, you get to re you don't get to regenerate it, but you get to spend it. Um, so just having that card on tell for one point, if you can get tell to work in a list, which that's the key is tells there. points are more than they probably should be per se, right? Because they don't he he does not work in a list in the same way, huh? She in this. She. Is a she really? Yes, right. Dengar's wife. Tell Trevor, yeah. Did not know that. Thank you. Thank you for Star Wars lore. Anyway, so she is able to come back more times, you know, right. than is necessary, Maybe. but she's so point costed out of the realm. You don't fly her because she's she all she is is a point fortress. That's all she is is a point fortress. That's it. I apologize. I apologize. I gave wrong information. I apologize for all the lore nerds out there. I don't know if uh, anywhere in the chat. Uh, Teltiver is a man. I was thinking of Manaru. Okay. I apologize. Uh, all right. I thought it was him. Wow. Never mind. Nope. Anyway. All right. You can get rid Ooh. of those ships. So, mm -hmm. so when we talk about points costs, and, and this is this is why I wanted to have this discussion, because as we move into the next segment, I think it's very important to understand how points affect things, where they are at, why they are extremely important um, to negative play experience. Because... In the long run, everything we talked about is to avoid a negative play experience for other players. Now, if you're newer, you're probably going to have a negative play experience uh, playing against 
some of the lists anyway. But and hence that's why, in my opinion, you know, like, and I'm gonna go back to this and I'll preach it. I like hyperspace. I like hyperspace a lot. And I like hyperspace because it levels some of the playing field for the players. But that's just my opinion. With that being said, why don't we move on to our roll call segment? So for the roll call today, and all oh, that's what I should probably bring up. Let's bring up um, Discord. Did we bring up Discord? Not Discord. We're going to bring up. My God. It's been a long day. We're going to bring up Yasby. And essentially, what we're going to do is let's build the Yasby list and kind of go from there on what we had talked about, right? Is that fair? Yeah. So what do we want to start with? Out of all the ones that I put in there, what is the one that we want to start with? Um, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard one to do. We can do the difference between Delta, Delta, uh, Delta B and the CLT variant of the uh, Aether sprites, if you'd like. Okay. That one's kind Let's... of interesting because that, that basically does a stat line change. All right. Let's do that. So... Let's bring it up, and I bet you it's going to be a pooper and a half today. Yep. There's something wrong with my system again. Charles, you just want to bring a Delta Aether Sprite up? There you go. That's what we'll do. You just want me to do it in the overlay? Yep. Am I bringing up the ship or the upgrade? Uh, go ahead and bring the ship up first. Just bring a Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight up. Maybe we'll right, that's not a Jedi Knight, but that's fine. Too, just in case. What's that? You might want to bring up both upgrades as well. Yep. Yeah, and then you can go ahead and bring the CLT, and you can bring up the um, thing because I'll probably have to readjust the size of the image. So a Delta, a Delta, a Delta Knight. Oh my God, a Jedi Knight with essentially is a three hull one shield jedi they get two attack dice and three evade dice three dice obviously at range one they don't have any um super fancy thing other than fine-tuned controls which basically says after you fully execute a maneuver you may spend one force to perform a boost or barrel roll action so essentially what you're doing is before you take your action you're spending a force now that jedi knight only has one force i know he has obi-wan on the screen um but jedi knights only have one force they do not have three (laughs) obi-wan also costs i don't know what 20 points more i think so yeah so you get for two more force it's 20 points more plus his ability so it's it's pretty big the CLT says while you perform a primary attack, so not any sort of missiles or anything else, you if the defender is in your bullseye, you add a focus resolve. Now, that tells you a couple different things. You have to always take a target lock or a focus or not spend your force. One of the two. One of the three. Because if it, it's just adding that focus resolve. So you roll, let's say you roll... Um, you're in bullseye, you roll two focus tokens, 
because you're at range two. Then what happens is you get to add that other focus result. If you don't have a force or a focus token or a target lock, it's inconsequential. It does nothing. And Matt, how much, do you know how much that calibrated? I think that thing is based, it's like three points or something like that. So it goes on initiative. I think it's anywhere from two to six. It's not many. It's, It's actually pretty reasonable. It's not necessarily an auto-include, but it is definitely worth considering including at least the the CLT on on any any of the the Aether sprites you take. Yep. So point cost uh, is based on initiative. It is for zero and one, it's no points. For two... Zero and ones. Yep. For two, it's worth one. For three, it's worth two. For four, it's worth three. For five, it's worth four. And for six, it's worth... So the most it's worth is five points. And it, okay. and it is that way because if you don't take, if, if you don't have a focus and you do have your force and you roll eyeballs, you add another eyeball, you still only change one of the damn things. You ain't changing all of them, you know, so it doesn't matter. Now, let's move over to, oh, and it only triggers in bullseye. So you have to get bullseyes. Now, I will tell you, I like running five Jedi with CLT. It is fun. I enjoy it quite a bit. Matt hates it when I run that. Matt does not like it's not the worst. And run it's those. not the worst. That's not the worst. Um, so, but you're as you're talking about, and and I do want to kind of throw a stat line comparison up, guys. So, when you're talking about two, three, one, and three, you're looking at an M3A interceptor, is a similar one. Uh, it's basically a tie FO, uh, which again, tie FOs are twenty five points. Uh, M3A, I think a base M3A is only. About like 26 that same, or 28. Yeah, it's not 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 too much. But compared to a um compared to a baseline Jedi Knight, the difference is, is that Jedi Knight gets that soft focus uh the force re uh re reposition, right? So you see the difference there though in in the in the Delta 7 where the force and that maneuverability actually are translated into points there. So that kind of is 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 a good example of how it's done and why it's done there. So, anyways, yep. just want to mention. No, no, and I, that's actually really good, Matt, because they're they come in with that CLT as a Jedi Knight at thirty nine points, right? They come in at thirty nine points, so they are quite a bit more than an M three A. But I'll tell you what, the dial maneuverability on that thing is insanely better <laughs> than right. than a M three A. And the fact that you get the second reposition is so much better. So it should be worth more points. A hundred percent should be worth more points. It's and I will tell you too. running five of those with CLT on them is fun. It's not meta breaking. You can easily wipe them off because they only got one shield and they, they, they are an I three, you know? So there's a lot of different uh, things that go into that. Right. Yeah. Um, now it's solid. It just is. It is solid, but it is definitely beatable. That's the other thing, too. Like, Chris talks about, yeah, it, it's a little annoying, but at the same time, it's the three agility. It's not the fact that it's a Jedi Knight. It's not the fact that the ship is, like, the most maneuverable thing in the world or anything like that. It's that three agility. That's where that really comes into effect, and that's where you start to see it. Again, a stat line thing, that three agility can be very, very strong. Yep. So now we have, we now go to the Delta 7B. The Delta 7B does a couple of different things. It gives you plus two shields, 
but it removes one of your green dice. So instead of the three green dice that you normally get, it's like, eh, you only get one. But we're going to give you another attack dice. So what you do is you churn that Jedi Knight from a ship that is a little bit more defensive to basically an aggressive aggro ship. Now, here's where that that comes into play, right? And it comes into play on higher initiative ships, and it comes into play with more force ships, ships that have more force, excuse me. <laughs> you know, because this Jedi Knight, yeah, they're getting just one force, which means you can use it to do your reposition, but then you're not going to get it as a modifier. But if you have somebody like Obi-Wan who has three, now I've got two other modifiers. I only regenerate one, but I'll tell you what, having those other two modifiers helped me do so many other things when I need it. Now, here's the thing, and this is where I like that purple evade on there, because I never understood that until you put the Delta 7B on. So when we talk about probability and different things, right, one of the big probabilities is the fact that when I have three green dice, I can, I almost, I naturally should roll one evade and one eyeball and one blank. That is my average. When I roll two, my average is a lot less. You are not guaranteed an evade at that point, but you should probably roll an eyeball or an evade. So you should get one or the other on a two-point ship or two, two agility ship. So the probability is a lot different. So in this instance, when you put the, this Delta 7B on, having those extra force or being able to get an evade that's a that's a free token i roll blank evade got an evade there you go so you have to spend that force on it so that's where that force having that force spending ability changes that point cost because think if that was white your action is going to always be probably to take that stupid evade you're going to always take it an 82 actus yes exactly exactly right but like you're saying though you have if you do take that evade token you're backed up with force right so He's taking you, you, you roll two, two blanks or blank focus. You have two force. You can do the evade with one. You can use a focus with the other. So you give yourself that double modifier kind of. Yep. Now the Delta seven B is costed insanely different mm-hmm. than the other one. And this is where we talk about the initiative costing for it. So the cause point cost comes in for zero and one at four points. It comes in at eight for two, 12 for three, 16 for four, 20 for five, and 24 points for initiative six. An initiative six. So an Anakin in this is like, holy crap, outrageously priced, in my opinion. Highly priced. But... Anakin gets three force, right? I believe he gets three force. Yep. He gets, so he could spend one force on an evade every turn, plus have force to modify his attack dice. Now, he ain't going to last forever, but because he's a nice six, he's going to be able to outmaneuver you if he goes last. Reminds me a lot of uh, Silencer Kylo Ren. But, yeah, the yeah. Um, I six. What was the, the force ability that's stupid expensive? Um, you talk about Anakin's? No, the the force upgrade. Supernatural. Yeah, supernatural Kylo. Yeah, that's yeah, twenty four points on Kylo. Yeah, yeah, and, or lot. no, thirty two points on Kylo. Actually, I it's think. huge. It's very expensive. No, it's thir- it's twenty four because he's an i five. Thirty two yeah, is thirty two on Vader, but you... mm-hmm. 
Nobody runs yeah. it on Vader. Nobody. I runs would it. run it on Defender yeah. Vader. I would say but very few people, people run it on Kylo. So. Yeah. Anyway, I would run. Any, it anyway, Defender. anyway. So when we're talking about the difference between three and four ships, right? Mm. Can you imagine if you had four sh- or five ships that all could run I threes that could all run Delta three or Delta Bs, seven Bs? You now got two extra shields. You are a double repositioning ship. And plus you get an extra attack die. So what three dice, two agility ship that has that many things exists that has double reposition. High what? silencer. But the silencer doesn't have force. Only one of silencer has force. And that right, guy's seven. In order to points. double reposition, there is no force. Interceptors. Interceptors, no but force. they have three hull, no shields, mm-hmm. no very shield. vulnerable ships. The closest, you know comes to mind? Yeah. the closest equivalent up? is an X-Wing. So, no, I was going to say, go. I was going to say a different guy. Oh, I was going to say a guy in a faction that I'm the only one in here that runs. Oh, General wow. Grievous. General Didn't Grievous has three health, two shields, two green, three attack die, double reposition if he wants it to some extent. Not in the same way. He can't do a barrel roll boost, but he always will get a modifier and he will always be able to either barrel roll or boost. And when he attacks you from behind, he gets soft mods of two re-rolling to attack dice. <laughs> like, like this guy, th- can you, so think of general having five general grievances flying. Now, Matt, would you want to fly I mean, against I'm five not, general I'm grievances? Not no, no, we're good. Okay. Or 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 like five Luke Skywalkers. I get it. No, it's it's uh it's a bad day and nobody should have that fight fight against it. But FFG and AMG have decided you can't. So good. We're all good there. <laughs> all right. Um, the next one that I wanted to bring up was Fang Fighters, and I and this one's near and dear to Charles's heart. Yeah, this and, is not the Fang Fighter those, I was going to uh, bring up, Charles. I know you like the general. It's the only fang fighter that matters. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, I'm well then kidding. we do. We just cancel the the segment on the on the fang fighter and move on because <laughs> no. I mean, Fen Rao is not the one that you have to worry about. It's an uh, it's an it's a one, and it is a four. Zealous recruit, and it is and it is skull scouts. Skull squad. Yep. If you can bring that all up good too. ships, very good ships. Pop easy at range two to three. Engage at range if you're against a fang fighter, or from behind. Well, yes, or from behind, yes. And, again, and I don't mean engage them from behind. I mean allow them to engage you from behind. So, like, if you're in a fire spray, shoot out your rear arc. If you're in yeah. any other ship, shoot out your side arc. Uh, and that way, but even a range... of those. Concordia doesn't work if that's the case. Yep, Concordia doesn't work if it's anywhere other than front arc. Do you want to read Concordia, Charles? You should do sure. that. Uh, while you defend, if the attack range is one and you are in the defender's primary arc, change one result to a evade result. So that's a focus to an evade. That's a blank to an evade. If you're feeling froggy, that's an, an evade to an evade. <laughs> <laughs> and then your opponent just looks at you and goes, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. So now the the discussion right is is so they these I ones come in at forty one points. So the obvious answer, the reason they come in at forty one points, is because you, so you can't run 
five of them. Now, we, this is where we talk about card techs, right? The card techs on this tells me if I'm at range one and in the attacker's arc, I get to change one of my results to an evade, right? Just like Charles said. If I'm behind them, I don't need the freaking evade because it does nothing for me because they ain't shooting at me. And when they do shoot at me, I can. So now these ships are going to come in. They're going to have three agility. They're, they are going to have the same thing as like a Grievous, right? They don't get the force, but they have a reposition modification linked action. So they're always guaranteed a focus. And when you have three green dice, you almost always take a focus token. If you, if you're wanting to be defensive, because that gives you the ability to focus your green dice, unless they're Charles's green dice to evade in Charles's world. He should always take a target lock because he, his fang fighters always die every time for the most part. He has not good luck unless it's Fen Rao at range one. And even then, Charles is only 50-50 on that. <laughs> and it's funny, during the XCC stream, John and I were talking about that a little bit. So uh, if you want to go back and listen your, to the XCC Your mathematical stream. statistics, but... Yeah, statistically, it should be better than that, guys. <laughs> statistically, it should be, but if you're Charles, it's not. So we yeah. have to take Charles' effect into this. Right. And John and I take the Charles' effect all the time into, right. into, in, into the discussion. But in, anyway, so... Can you imagine being able to have five of these things that fly at you that always get three three evade dice, and when they're at range one, they're always getting a free evade for it, so they only technically ever have to roll two. <laughs> I can roll three and hit two evades and a focus, never spend my focus token, just get a free evade. No questions asked. We don't care. Here you go. Merry Christmas. So it's like they're a two-dice green ship that always has a set-aside evade at range one. I will tell you, if the dial wasn't as maneuverable as it is, I would not actually be as scared of them. If the dial was like an N3A, do you honestly, would you honestly be that scared of them? Nah. They, well, they're the a little bit more fun too, Chris. That's, that's huh? the other thing that sets that Fang Fighter apart. That's the other real strength of the Fang Fighter, which we've kind of talked about and we haven't really talked about, backed up by the two, the two hard blue, uh, which you yep. kind of were just kind of going over two there you get the ability to either barrel roll or boost linked to a focus, which most ships do not give you that ability. Having that does give it that strength behind where it can maneuver or reposition into a place where you either can't shoot at it or to block or many different things, obviously, but it gives it that extra level of maneuverability uh, as well as that free basically a free of eight. So it's the same as you were talking about with the Jedi with the purple evade, right? You've taken the evade and then you have the focus token, generally speaking, to modify the other dice. So it really does make them quite defensive at close range. Yep. All right. Do we want to move on to the next one or do you think this is covered well, we enough? Should. Well, right, you want I to mean, bring we should really quickly kind of kind of talk about that. So not always, and like I said, I was talking earlier about the tight Defender. There are uh, card, uh, like either uh, things in the past or other things that made it is, but what it, they've decided to do is it's that one point threshold to make it impossible to, to run the fours or fives. It's 
not necessarily are they the strongest thing on the board or that they're always going to win or anything like that. None of these are actually saying that. It is that force multiplier of possibly having that many of them that that makes it so strong. So that's where you kind of see in some of that. So yeah, I just was kind of going to reinforce. Sorry. I know you probably said that, but still. All right. What's the next one you all want to cover? Do we have any more? Uh, do you want to cover your uh, bread and butter there? Yeah, we should do the drones. I think we can <laughs> skip the X-Wings. All right. So, yeah, you want to take the thing off the screen? Never. Go ahead and bring up our Never. CFI. CSI. Never crush them with the fangs. Was it the uh, blah, blah, blah? Trade no, Federation the... drone, probably, is what you want up there. The disgusting, vile thing that is the Trade Federation drone. Also, the stupid friggin' scored missiles. Yuck. Yeah, I don't know why it's not flipping for me. So, uh, well, Chris is going to talk about it anyways, but either way, it's uh, the CIS that uh, it does allow you to run in the same point spread that we were just talking about. Like, you can only run four of one ship or maybe like four or five of this other ship. CIS is allowing you to carry eight trade federation drones and with that you can still cover you're you're saying you can actually put three discords and and other things on there chris oh yeah ask charles i ran that against him i have a list of um you can run eight trade so trade federation drone are 19 points so times eight are 152 points so you come in at 152 points only so if you take 200 and divide it by 19 which is the naked you can actually run 10 with upgrades. So pretty amazing, uh, with if I don't upgrade. say so myself. And I think we should try that sometime. Let Chris run 10 of these against one of you. Yeah, I don't ship. think so. No, I'm, I'm down. Sure I'm down. No, I'm down. Bring it, and I'll bring Bosk. <sighs> okay. Because Bosk tore through your eight. Yeah, only one time. The other time, I took you down. So, I mean, we, we could talk about both sides of it, Charles. Let's at least be say, honest. I think you we're run double one and one with that. If you're going to run 10 ships, why not do double party buses? I'm just saying. <laughs> no. I can run triple no, party buses. No, I can fit three ships, of them. Chris. I can fit three in. All right. I don't really know why. party buses in one trade group? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why it's not coming up. Now it's pissing me off. All right. Well, either way, guys, uh, what he's trying to say is you can run eight Trade Federation drones, three Discord missiles, two uh, Thread Tracers, and three energy shells, and you still get a bid. Can you believe that? All that stuff listed, and you still get a bid. That is just straight up disgusting. Yep. So I can run the list I ran against Charles had three energy, sh- four energy shells, three discords, and I had struts on all of them but two. That's crazy. And so when we talk about, you know, the points value, because they are so cheap. Now, the difference between them is they they pop in a different mm-hmm. manner, right. right? So, but on the opposite side, a Discord missile shoots before the ship shoots. So all I got to do is take a, a calculate token. I can shoot it before. So at the start of engagement, 
I get to shoot something at range three bank, three straight, or three bank right. All it'll cost me is one one token and one energy. Now, I can never recover the energy, thank God, because otherwise that would be extremely broken if you could ever recover Discord. More missile. broken than it currently is. It is not broken at all. <clears throat> Hence why it's not top meta. So it's not top meta. If it's top meta, then we'd have a different discussion. So it's top, not top meta because people don't want to set eight dials. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to stick no, with I disagree that with you 100%. percent i'm sticking with that one all right so i'm gonna i'm you want to put your money where your mouth is i'm gonna i I will hire i will hire a top tier player to run eight of these things and see if he could take down a gsp tournament and if he gets number one i'll pay out the bet to the the player if i'm wrong or if you're wrong you're paying the bet out though yeah i bet 100 bucks would cover that on table would be even worse like that's the thing like the, the, the calculation is trying to move that many ships is just not ideal. And, and I would disagree with you. Like, I enjoy that personally. I find it fun. I would do it. So, I'm actually thinking about bringing that list to LVO this year. Here's a factor that, that swarms take into effect that, that no one's talking about. And that's fine. Turn. We don't have to. Yes. <laughs> because of the amount of time that it takes to set plan and move eight ships there are far less actual shooting rounds mm-hmm. versus eight ships than there are when it's three on three or four on two or four on four. Mm-hmm. When you when you throw eight ships into the mix, the amount of time that it takes to move, position, action, shoot, defend, like all of that takes up so much time that you're getting maybe three, possibly four shooting rounds right. in an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And what is it that you need to take down a swarm? Time you need to drop it. You need to drop a ship every round, right? At, you at minimum. Have, yep, and you have to have time, time and rounds to play. So I'm, I, I know that you're, you're a swarm player, and I'm not saying that swarms are unbeatable. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, is they do have other things that they add to the meta that is not necessarily the same thing. If you can have a really good crackerjack start, it is incredibly hard, even if the other player plays much better than you, to get beat if you i wouldn't even say slow play just casual play it it gives them much less time and especially if you start bumping those bad boys is to calculate all those bumps on table all right so i'm gonna we're gonna stop for one we're gonna stop for a second because i'm i'm we're we're gonna get into this now so this is this is what people pay for this is what people listen to we're gonna get into this because i think this comes down to a skill set thing and this you can say the same thing about torkel mugs to me and that's probably fair because I don't know how to play against Torkoal Mux very well. I lose mo- almost every game. Actually, I think I have lost every game to Torkoal Mux except for one. One time I beat Charles's ass. And not with a swarm. Um, so you complain about, hey, it's going to take longer to set dials. It's going to do all these other things. It's going to extend this so we can shoot less. They're also worth less points. You're worth more points. You can outmaneuver them. They have three hull. They have zero shields. They get a calculate. They can only change one dice. If they shoot a discord missile, they have to get rid of their modifier. Period. No they questions don't. asked. They no longer have a modifier. Yes. Network can they use their... Okay. So what? So I have eight ships. Eight ships. Just listen. I have eight ships. And this is where we get into the points cost. I would argue if, if, if discord missiles were one point and drones were 15 points, sure. Okay. I could tell you maybe I fell as broken. But for somebody that's going to shoot a Discord missile at you, you get one turn with it. You can destroy it. You can choose to destroy it. 
I'm getting rid of my mod. So if I have eight ships, three ships will have no mods. Three ships. You can only take one mod from another ship. So if I roll two dice, just listen. Let me go. We're gonna go through this. If I roll two dice, if I don't roll and hit eyeball, I can't use the other one. If I roll two eyeballs, I get one hit. The uh, the 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 probability of reducing that hit unless you're a one point or a one agility ship is very high. It's 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 over fifty percent. Over fifty percent. So what it comes down into is understanding a play style that is different. And this is when we talk about different mechanics of the game. And that's where points do come into it. I don't think droids are actually overpriced in any way, shape, or form. I so actually I'm call your bluff. I'm gonna call your bluff because you're ignoring one very large mathematical fact, and that's game theory. And game theory states that every successful hit dramatically increases mm -hmm. the likelihood that the next one will be a miss. And that it applies inversely. So every successful miss dramatically increases the mathematics of your hit. If I'm taking three shots at eight ships and you're taking eight shots at three ships, yes, I might shake one or two. But my dice are eventually the variance, the mathematics of it. When you're rolling eight versus three, the mathematics of it will catch up. All right, so fuck it, we're going to stop right there. Stop right there. I'm at, I got four ships range one to Bosk with, with, with Zam on it. That's two shots. No questions asked. Zam's, Zam's going to have two shots or he's going to have a modified shot the next round, right? Bosk can churn one crit into two hits. So mm -hmm. I have four dice that I can get five hits out of. Four dice I can get five hits out of each time. You wipe two ships off the board. No questions asked. I don't even get to shoot you. Now I'm down you to six shots. Coming back. Same round. You can only do that every other round. First. And I, ta I talked, we just talked about it. You're four, maybe six rounds, right? And that's, that's, that's not even Charles and I like making it up. That's true. That is just true. In TTS, you get a little, like a few less. On table, it's many less. It is calculably less you can watch it people do not even take them because it is grueling to set and move that many dials i'm not saying that you couldn't do it in real life I, you're a very capable player you're very good at it you can probably do all that stuff but the thing is is thinking through and setting through eight dials takes some time moving eight ships on the board takes some time having to 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 do all that stuff takes time yeah bosk is great can double tap sure Right, he's gonna tap not double tap the first shooting round, but he will double tap the second shooting round. So, well, what, he will he if you have taken off ships, what three so. ships, maybe he, he, he will if you have if you do if you do certain ones, yeah. So, if I can get all eight ships on Bosk, I would have to take Bosk out. That's two hits. Bosk would have to roll all blanks two times. That you would have to take zero ships out. That's sixteen points. That's sixteen but, hits. But you're counting 16. range one from Bosk. And then range not one on. from every drone. So, so hold on. I've got I've got the math. I've got the math. There you go. Two red dice with a calculate yep. versus one green dice. Because mm -hmm. Bosk only gets to mod one green dice. One. So you're throwing you're throwing two red dice against one green. Your average damage. Your average damage. One point three. 
1.08 with a 21% chance of at least one crit. So that means every fifth roll, so at least one out of your eight, mathematically speaking, I'm just talking mathematical statistics, one in your five shots is going to have a, or one in your eight shots will have a crit and an average of one damage through per shot. Bosk has 12 health. 12 health. You have burned him to half in one. And in return, and in return, I maybe, maybe, because if we look at how many how many green dice do they have? Two. Two. So three red, and we'll say that I it's planned ahead red. and I My took man. a focus. No, no, I'm I'm counting range two. I'm not counting additional dice. I'm counting range two. Three dice on two with a focus. So one shot. I'm averaging 1.5. I would like to point out that your two dice against one is 1.08. So they are almost statistically equal. One. I have a one and a I have a half a percent chance to deal one more damage with my one shot. With my one shot. Versus two green dice. Now, if we do so, increase so, that okay, to range, so, okay, so, he stop, does add a no, damage. Stop Let's a second. Fair. No, he does no, no, add no. a damage. Stop. So we're gonna stop for one second. Because because what you're doing is you're you're creating an illusion. Is Bosk your whole list? Is Bosk a whole list? Of course not. No. Okay. So then then stop talking like it is. Create the, the for for the the price value of what you're getting. That's how many drones you get. That's what right. you could talk about. So, so, so I don't want to hear about boss burning, being burned down in two turns against the eight ship list. When you still have boss is 60 points, you have 140 points. How many in three A's you could put in there? The, everybody bare naked. You could put, I believe five in three A's. What so, I was doing was arguing the point that you made. That Bosk against droids, Bosk is going to kill two droids immediately, and yeah. that that levels out when you put Bosk with his ability of crit to hit versus droids. Yes, I uh, I completely will agree oh with you that when you take a droid swarm against another list, can it balance? Absolutely. But yeah. I'm saying that a droid swarm against one ship, if you focus fire yeah. one ship, you're going to wipe something off the board. Good, and the rest of your ships will take every one of those droids out. So fine, you want to talk about some goddamn semantics? Because that's what this is, Charles, is semantics. What you're doing is okay. doing semantics. So maybe, Look. stop. Maybe I misspoke, fine. But wow. I'm telling you, the, the idea behind here is that anybody that wants to sit here, so, so first off, the meta actually will tell you it is not, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. Even with your, your statistics, it doesn't work because you're not including all the statistics. And that's the huge difference. There, there, there is calculations, and we can go to the calculations, uh, calculations page and look at it. But you cannot sit there and say one ship is going to be there. So sure, could I burn him down in two turns, maybe three, at that, and lose less than fifty percent of my ships? Sure, but that would be say he's got nobody else coming in after him. Nobody else. I could tell you right now that Sasha Wagner's list would burn and droids for him down rather quickly it will not hold up to a, a, a droid swarm no matter which way you look at it and that's him using overpowered shots against stupid two dice three hull ships 
Again, so, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that a droid swarm is unbeatable. At no point did I, the only swarm that I would say was unbeatable, and even then it wasn't unbeatable. It was just very unlikely. Would be the Nantex bull that we talked about earlier in the in the in the podcast. That was the only swarm that I was convinced was unbeatable because of the the brokenness of the mechanics. I'm not saying a droid swarm is unbeatable. I've beaten a droid swarm with crap lists. I've beaten a droid swarm with Sasha Wagner's list. I've lost to a droid swarm with with really good lists. It depends a lot on dice variants. It depends a lot on a different things. What I'm saying is. All that I was saying is that when you fly eight ships, mathematically speaking, it takes more time to move and plan so you have less opportunity to shoot at them. I'm not saying it's unbeatable. I'm At no point have I ever said that CIS is broken. I don't think it is. I think that it flies exactly the way it was designed. You have droids that are mass-produced. Canonically speaking, I think that it flies perfectly the way it's supposed to. They overwhelm. It's no different than the Empire. You have... What, we need shields on the ties? No, I can build three ties for the amount of money that you're putting shields on them, so forget the shields and let's just build more ties. It's the same mentality that CIS had with droids. I'm not saying they're unbeatable in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that 10 shots or 8 shots per round is better than 4, even if it's 2 dice. Mathematically, it is not. Not when you take into all the other modifiers. That's the difference. So the difference becomes is all the other techniques, and hence that goes back to the points discussion that we have. And so the only reason to bring up eight ships taking forever to shoot and move and do all these other things is because it implies that your list loses so much more to that list. And, and I disagree with that wholeheartedly. And that's fine. We could table it. We can agree to disagree. I wholeheartedly disagree with that, though, personally. I, I understand the logic in it. And you could do things, there's things you can do to fix that too. There's lots of things you can do to fix that. There is ways to change those mechanics if that's what you want, if that was that broken of a mechanic. So when we see droid swarms taking forever and net, net pointing, you know, all of this, then, then okay, then, then I'll go back. But we don't see that happening. That is not what the statistics show. And when you do put them together against a lot of other things, the idea is, is, this game would be stupid if we only pointed and shot. At Absolutely. least for me, it would be. I would Absolutely. never, I would never play this game ever if it was a point and shoot game. It'd Agreed. be stupid. I don't disagree with you on any level. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So then it comes back to understanding the difference of where the points value come into play. Because I can tell you right now, if you up the points to the point where I couldn't have eight droids with upgrades they would immediately leave the leave play you would not run them and then at that point what's the point of having that ship then and i could say the same thing in scum there is definitely scum ships that you cannot run because they are pointless they are overcosted. they have way too many issues that you would be like oh and and and, and who's the one you always complain about charles <laughs> that's that you believe is overcosted. Guri? Guri. Who's the other one? Morally Vol. I'll just say it for you. Yeah, Morally there Vol. you go. Morally Vol is to start. I don't understand him. why he's more expensive than Bosk. I don't get it because you get to fly off the board twice. <laughs> yep. No dice, no <laughs> innate dice mods. <laughs> I'll take Bosk every day. I don't need to fly off the edge of the board. Exactly. And and, and that's the that's the thing is like I understand why 
they have to cost them because of that mechanic, that specific mechanic, you can, they, what they do is that if they can't figure something out, they overcost it. That's what they do. That way it just doesn't break, you know? So when droids become to that point where, where it is, then they, they, they do. They raise droid point costs by one for every ship. They created independent calculates that say, if you want this fancy upgrade, you're going to take four points per ship. You know, they do do those things. So when it comes to a points relation and understanding why I can run eight of those damn things, but I can't run eight tubs, it's huge. Eight tubs gets the network calculate and two more hull. And they have upgrade slots that are insane. I could take missiles that are different. I can take torpedoes. I could take payloads. I can do all sorts of other things. Hence, they're costed more. And that's, I think, the big difference is why I'm going to say CIS does not cheat. It is not an, a broken mechanic. And even if I, you get less churns on the board, does it create a negative play experience? I don't know. Because I would tell you Torkoal Mux creates a negative play experience. Running against um, a Bosk, in my opinion, creates a negative play experience. But that's just me. You can roll four dice with one crit that you could change to five hits. What dice? What ship rolls five green dice? Well, none. So any any ship that boss gets at a 180 arc is pretty much range one is pretty much if they don't have shields or that or roll evades, they're a dead ship. No questions asked. I would like to speak to one thing that I had said earlier. I did find a calculator online that allowed me to take everything into account except for Bosk's ability because Bosk's ability has no effect on dice probability. All it does is change the it changes that focus or it changes that that crit to two hits. But for pure dice mechanics alone, four attacks on my end, right? I, I took into account a range one shot with Bosk, a range two shot with a Fang, a range two shot with an M3A, and a range two shot with a shuttle against two evade dice with a calculate. So the average damage output for that round for my shots against a ship with two dice and a calculate is four and a half damage. So between four and five damage. So on that, yes, I'm killing one. I'm killing one droid. I assume they, they have three, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm killing one, maybe two, if I get lucky and get the high side of that variance. Looking at the other end, which is eight range two shots i didn't even take range one i took eight range two shots against one green die with a focus your average is eight damage it's so you seven, have to take two of those out seven point eight you have to at least take one of those ships out period. oh fair enough because i would have killed that yep, yep so you would have killed one at minimum and you can't guarantee they're gonna all have those tokens either fair because enough. of that but so i just the, to keep i can't guarantee that i'm gonna have a focus for all eight of your shots Nope, or all seven right. of your shots. So just, but even then, if I take one ship out, it drops you from an average of seven point eight damage to an average of six point seven damage. Again, you're not that much stronger in your draw. I'm, I'm, I'm adding to your statement. I'm not saying that I was right. I'm saying that when we compare the four shots to the six, we're comparing five damage versus seven damage. Now here is where the game mechanics shift. And they play into play styles is, yes, your ships only have three. So my four or five damage is going to kill one and, and cripple one other. 
where your six to seven damage may not all be on one ship, right? That could be spread. You could have done three to Bosk, two to the Fang, one to the shuttle, and zero to the M3A. So your damage is now spread because of the way your ships were facing or how we engaged. Like you said, it's not a point and shoot game. It's not a it's not a point and click game. There's a lot X Wing is a game of positioning, right? That's that's the joke line that everybody likes to say. But I'm strengthening your argument in saying that there are a lot of variables and a lot of counteractivity that can be played against a droid swarm that make it not broken. Yep. Does, uh, it okay, still, does, it still hurt, does it still hurt to play against one? Absolutely. It is not fun on the most part, but for me, I don't care if you play a droid swarm because for me, I have good conversations. I have fun jokes. Even when I lose, I just get blown out because I can't roll a green dice to save my life because of the Charles effect. I'm fine with it because every player that I've played against in this community, with the exception of a very select few, Every player is an enjoyable experience, regardless of the list. Every player understands dice variants. Every player gets tilted every once in a while, but can laugh through it and have a good time. And that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back to this game and why no matter how many times I go into a tournament and go two and four or three and three, and I don't make cut, I still bring my stupid jank list to the next tournament and try to my jank list because I'm having a good time. Yeah, and I think that's – and again, so I agree with you. And, and that's the thing is that's the variability, and that's where the points come in. Hence why if you added two more drones to that mix, you've changed the whole dynamic, right? You know, because of the points. If I can have 10 droids at that point level, it changes everything. That That changes so much. It's not even funny. All right. With that being said, why don't we move on to our system malfunction? Sound good? All right. For system malfunction tonight, we're going to see, can we get, can we get it to bring up? Let's see. Are we going to get lucky? Oh, looks like we're going to get lucky. All right. So the first list I wanted to highlight in effort to talk about our points discussion, right? Oh, hey, there. Hey, TTT now is coming through. Look at that. <laughs> Good God. All right. In an effort to discuss our points discussion with it, I wanted to bring up a couple of different lists, right? You know, so one of the lists that I wanted to bring up was Ray, because I think Ray is not a huge meta staple. She is kind of a fringe discussion, right? You know, like people do use Ray, they do have different interactions with Ray, but I think in the long run, she is a very good um, centerpiece that sometimes is overlooked. And the idea here is to look at weird interactions that you don't know about. So what Ray says, and we'll bring Ray up here, while you defend or perform an attack in your front arc, so you, even though you have a pivotal arc, it has to be facing forward. If the enemy ship is in there, you may spend one force to change one of your blank results to an evade or to a hit. That's pretty good, right? I think it is. I don't know. 
nobody else is coming. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. So then you have um, a couple of other pieces where you have Rose Tico, right? And you have Finn. So Finn allows you to do different weird things. Rose Tico says, while you defend or perform an attack, you may spend one of your results to acquire a lock on that ship. So the way the triggering works is essentially, if I'm rolling up with Ray, I have three red dice. I rolled two blanks. Ray could spend a force to change one of those blanks to a hit. Or she could just say, well, screw it. I'm going to take Rose Tico, throw her a, a uh, target lock token, get rid of one of my dice. Could do that. No big deal. Then you add Finn in. And Finn says, while you're performing a front attack, you can add a blank result. So because of how they trigger, Finn's going to let you do that blank result before Rose Tico does. Finn also triggers with Ray. So if I roll three hits, and then Finn adds a blank dice, what does is, what is Ray get to do? She gets to spend one of her two forces on changing that blank to a hit. It works insanely well <laughs> when Ray works. And I don't know, Matt, I think you've played this before more than one on more than one occasion. Yeah, uh, it's Ray Gun. Very, very powerful. Death Ray, I think they also call it. Yep. Very, um, what do you call it? Consistent damage. Yeah. Yes, very consistent. Especially if you can keep it in the front arc. If you can't keep it in the front arc, uh, it tends to, tends to die off a little bit. Um, but that's just like... Um, uh, the Shadowcaster. Um, who is it? Uh, my brain is fried. What is her name? Massage? No, the other one. Uh, Ketsu. Ketsu. Throwing, throwing Ketsu, if you can joust with her, being able to put two tractors per turn on different ships and, you know, bouncing that damage around, if you can joust those large ships and move them slow enough to be able to joust them, they just get dumb. Yeah. Finn also lets you do this on defense. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Blech. So Ray essentially has one green dice with a blank, and oh, guess what Ray does? Changes a blank to an evade. So it's, again, a free evade. Yeah, and then when you get into the crabbiness of adding Amel and Holdo and being able to switch the, uh, the stealth device <laughs> onto Ray and do it all of that nonsense. It's, uh, it's nuts. And yeah. And that's even crazier. That's a, that's a crazy list. Now I put Corsell on here, uh, cause essentially after you execute a blue maneuver, you can get rid of every stress token and I have raised Millennial Falcon on here, which basically says even if you have less than two stress, you can perform any stressful maneuver that that ship has. So you can perform a stressful maneuver. If you don't have any other stress, you can perform it. If you have two stress or one stress, I'm sorry, you can perform it. So you can perform um, Sergei, uh, Sergei's loop twice <laughs> in two turns. And then Corsella says all you got to do is do a blue maneuver next turn. So if Bray wants to stay in front of somebody that is trying to outmaneuver her, she's able to stay in front of them. All right. 
What was the next one that I had? I don't remember anymore. Nora West. No, it was a rebel list. That's right. Nora in the arc with uh, veteran tail gunner and Zeb. Yeah. So Nora, what Nora says. So for the first thing is Nora's an initiative five. So typically she's moving closer to last. She has three attack dice out the front, two out the back. She says, while you defend, if there is an enemy ship at range zero to one, you get to immediately add one evade result to your dice. So essentially you get two evades. If you can roll an evade every turn. The other thing that she says, if you add Zeb to her, you can perform primary attacks at range zero. Now, that also lets the enemy perform them at range zero against you too. So you going in to bump does mean they're going to be able to shoot you back. But Matt can attest to this, that Nora with Zeb on it is pretty bloody good. It's a very fun ship to run. I think Matt's ran that ship against me, I don't know, more than one time. And I will say I love, I do love that ship, like in that aspect. Then you put, and this is the one that Matt added, the veteran tail gunner, you can now perform two attacks. So you bump, you can still shoot out your front, and then after you're done, you get to shoot out the back if there's an enemy ship in there. So you can literally ram her into everybody. You do lose your action, but you can ram her into everybody and still get two shots. So if you're smart and you take the target locks ahead of time, a target lock ahead of time, you can do that. Now, think about this. You can also add um, this, is it the R2 or the R3? Auto crit? Nope. I want the one that gives you two target locks, the R3. Okay. So think of it this way. If you know a ship's going to go behind you or you know there's going to be something where they have to be, you could take two target locks ahead of time, ram yourself in there. Now you got free modifiers. You don't even have to worry about your focus. Then on top of that, add intimidation in. And while you're at range, while an enemy is at range zero, it rolls one fewer defense dice. And all of that comes in for 66 points. All of that comes in for two points less than Fenro. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Let's go around. Is that fair? Do you think that is fairly costed compared to Fenro? Yes. Yep. And why is that? Because uh, the arc is a brick and it doesn't dodge anything. So, yeah, it's great, but you're going to get lit up like a Christmas tree. You All of that, you just put a big old target right on the on the back of that arc, and it is not good at defending itself. Fen, on the other hand, has the offensive output. He also has the defensive output. Uh, as a joke, should this be less than a naked ship? Probably not. But for the sake of gameplay, is it balanced? Yeah, because I'd probably take Fen against that and outmaneuver you around your side arc so you don't get a shot and launch five dice into your side. All right. And this is coming as someone who is a diehard Fenrau supporter to say that that is equally or fairly costed compared to what is probably my favorite ship in the game next to Guri. Uh, that says a lot. All right, the last list that I kind of brought up that I thought was kind of a weird, fun type thing to run is this. And this is this is going to be very hard to pull off, and I don't care what anybody says. I don't, I can't imagine being able to pull this off very often. But 
What I have on here is two Genosian prototype, prototype HMP droid ships. And what they say is, while you perform a missile or cannon attack, you may remove one tractor token from the defender to roll up, re-roll up to two attack dice. So with an HMP, if they target lock you, they get to re-roll one per ship that's target locked. If they have a tractor token, they can re-roll up to two, but they have to remove it. So if it's a lower initiative ship, it's going to be worse, but it's probably a higher initiative ship anyway. So you're, you're basically essentially giving it back to them to get a free re-roll. It's like a, it's like a target lock. Then what you do is you take SureTech with Ensnare, which is very high points, but you take SureTech with Ensnare, and while you perform a primary attack, if the defender is tractored, you may re-roll up to two attack dice. So SureTech is a, is a four. He's already going to be shooting at a ship that gets one less green dice because of the tractor. With Ensnare, Ensnare says, at the end of activation, if you are tractored, you may choose a ship in one ship in the range of your arc at zero to one and transfer that tractor token. Gorgle says the same thing. So then think about it this way. You put Gorgle and SureTech in the same list. They're dumping two tractor tokens. Essentially, your, your Geonosian prototypes can take calculate tokens and always have the ensnare tractor tokens from the, G, the Geonosians, or I'm sorry, from the Nantex for rerolls. So it's better than the target locks. You don't have to run the five-point tactical, uh, or I'm sorry, not the relay, the um, five-point uh, droid, droid probes. And you essentially are getting almost the exact same thing every single round. Anybody have any thoughts on this list? Don't ever run it. Don't ever run it. Sounds good. It sounds like a negative play experience to me. But I don't. I don't. Well, I wouldn't go that far. It, so yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, yes, being able to throw your your uh, your tractors out there is fine. But for instance, if I fly a fire spray or I bring since he seems to be the topic of discussion right now, Bosk in, in the uh, in the YV triple six, your tractor beams mean nothing unless you can fit three of them in there. So I pop your Nantex. It's again, it's not unbeatable. There are checks and balances. There are rocks to paper to scissors in this game. So you know what I mean. Yeah, is it strong? Absolutely. But is it unbeatable? No. Where where I would screw up if I flew against this is. My brain works very much in, I fly like this. So if I keep moving forward, eventually I fly into the face of one of your ships. Whereas the HMP says, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here. And that's where it messes with me is I don't process that side slip that they do very well. Uh, and it tends to mess with my planning pretty hardcore. And I would agree with that, especially because it's a new maneuver. Um, and, and I would almost argue that we could have a discussion about whether like a whole episode on whether those repulsatory lists are, are under costed because they probably are based on the newness of it. Maybe in a year, I would disagree with that, but because it's so hard to understand their maneuverability and all that. And I get the whole, like GSP does the whole lean back thing, but I'll tell you what, even that, even as a plane, those ships, it is very hard to hundred percent always plan where they're going to be. And they're they create a higher variability, so they they're like an ace, but they're at forty four points. And how many aces do you run at forty four points? Eight of twos. 
82. <laughs> Which 82 is 44 points? I didn't know that. Shock T? Is Shock T 44 points? All right. So one who has a tenth of the health. <laughs> so they are probably a little bit, at least at this point in the meta, they are probably a little bit over-costed or under-costed for what they actually do. Uh, Shock T was 44. Yeah. So, but Shock T also only has three health. So. HMPs have a lot more than three health. You are not wrong, sir. Yeah. And hence why, at least in my opinion, in this meta, until people understand how they move, because they are unique, I really do think those points are are pretty under-costed in CIS right now. I think the, the closest thing that I can get to them consistency is Star Vipers, which are nowhere near the meta, and they don't even... But they don't do... The The weird part is that this is where the shift happens. I can do Star Vipers with the bendy barrel roll somewhat, because it's an arc. It's not a full turn. It's not like a talon roll built in. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm -hmm. that's what a side slip essentially is, is the talon roll without the 90-degree turn. Um, but it gives you the 90-degree turn because you're coming out to the side, into the side. Um, but you know, or is it Echo? Echo's the phantom that decloaks on the on the bank at the two, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So those are the closest things in game that we've had to the side slip, and the side slip is just crazy powerful because it doesn't. Again, it doesn't go that forward motion. It, it is like a stop and sliding to the side, and that's what makes that difficult because even the the bendy barrel roll still comes with some sort of forward trajectory. Whether you do it before or after a maneuver, you're still following the natural order of that trajectory versus like a, a hover motion like a, like a drone would do. Yep. And I can do that weird sideways move and take a calculate token or a target lock every turn. The, yeah. the uh, Star Viper cannot do that, even with advanced no. sensors. No, you are correct. Well, yeah. Guri could. Guri could. Okay, everybody but Guri. <laughs> but Guri is worth more than 44 points. I'll tell you that every, right now. Every Star Viper is worth more than 44 points. Yeah. All right. What are we at? I think we're at two hours. Anybody have anything else that no, we want to cover? Think I think we're good. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We've had an amazing night on Planning Face Syndicate. Thank you all. We will be back next week with another episode, episode 10, talking, um, I don't know what we're talking about, actually. I don't know if we plan the episode or not. So I think we're talking about Swarm. Swarm. Swarms. Oh, we get to go back into Swarms again? Oh, well, that'll be a fun discussion. <laughs> we'll oh, man. That Hopefully one, one we'll of you are one scripted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. If you have not, please head over to our Podbean, subscribe, subscribe on Apple, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Twitch, whatever floats your boat to get notifications every time we are live. We are live every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, and we will be back next week with more XTC games. Thank you all, and have an amazing night.